Introducing the Makeup Artist Chronicle. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I am your host, Julia Lubin. I figured it may be a good idea to start the episodes off with an agenda or maybe just like a little rundown of what we're going to be talking about um, so you can decide if you want to stick around or not. I hope you do. But um, what I want to talk about today is going to be, I definitely want to talk about what's going on in pop culture currently, the loss of a basketball legend, the tribute at the Grammys, the Grammys overall, um, and then kind of transition into some lighter items of business and talk about the trends, the beauty trends that we saw at the Grammys um, and where they're going. And I want to wrap up with kind of a new thing, for lack of a better word, um, where I answer questions from listeners. So whether you have DM'd me, you've emailed me, whatever the case is, I've had some people reach out about questions. And so the last segment of the show, I want to answer a question or a few questions that have been sent my way and to kind of just tie it all back to the Makeup Artist Chronicle. Um, I also have some exciting announcements at the end, so stick around to that. But let's get underway. So I think I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the untimely death of basketball legend Kobe Bryant. Um, I was actually on a flight. I'm in Vegas right now in my hotel room, and I was on a flight coming here. I landed. I took my phone off of airplane mode, and just the notifications started pouring in, and I was like, this has to be, this can't be real. Like, what is happening? Um, And it was that Kobe Bryant along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven other people perished in a helicopter accident in California. And I was just so, I was shaking. I was so distraught. Now, the thing about it is there is an outpouring of love right now, an outpouring of of well-wishing. I truly understand what a loss like that can do to a family or to a community. When I was little, my mom started dating a guy that would become my stepdad. And at first I thought, you know, who's this outsider coming into the family trying to like be all buddy, buddy with me? You know, I was like five or six at the time. And so I was very antagonistic towards this person. And I remember He loved the New York Knicks so much, and it was so contagious. And so, you know, he would he would come over, he would watch these Knicks games, and after a while, I kind of started sitting with him, and he would explain the games to me and the rules and the players. And you know, as I grew up, it was the one thing that really bonded us together and allowed me to accept him as a father. And you know, he would pick me up from school sometimes and we would just go to Madison Square Garden 
and see the Knicks play. And it was one of the perks of, you know, growing up in New York. And it was one of our bonding activities. Um, but we talked about a lot of the greats in the game. And we definitely talked a lot about Kobe Bryant and, you know, his his time as a Laker, his technique as a player, his technique as a leader on the team. And so my connection to that is that, you know, talking about basketball and some of the greats in the industry really brought me together with this man who, to this day, I call him my dad. Um, My dad, unfortunately, passed away when I was 18. He was 40 years old. Um, Kobe Bryant was 41 when he passed away yesterday. And it's just, it it really is, it, it can be traumatizing. It is like having someone torn away from you. Um, And so my thoughts are definitely with both the Bryant family for their loss of Kobe and Gianna, but also every, the family and loved ones of every single person that was on that helicopter. Um, Obviously we'll know more as things come out, but I just, I just wanted to, to touch on that my connection, why it affected me so much. Um, and just, you know, a reminder to go out there, do what you love, chase your dreams, lean into fear, love your loved ones, kiss your loved ones, hug your loved ones, tell them you love them, tell them how you feel. It's so, so very important. Um, And I think, you know, it was a day for me yesterday, let me tell you. Between that happening, well, we missed our first flight. Then we, like, booked a last-minute flight. I have crippling flying anxiety. Like, I will start hyperventilating and crying and shaking, and it's just... I wish I could control it. It's not something I can control. Um, Sometimes I will take some medication for it. Um, I, I... been to therapists. I've seen so many people. I haven't tried hyp- hypnose, hypnosis. That's the word. Jeez. Ugh. I haven't tried hypnosis, but I'm interested in trying it to see if it'll kind of help. But anyway, so we get off the plane. I get shook with the Kobe news. We get to our hotel room and I turn on the Grammys and, you know, Camilla Cabello with that tribute to her dad. It was just a lot of things coming up for me and I was just not ready for it. And so I was a puddle of nerves and tears all day yesterday, but we're back. We're here. And with that kind of pivot, let's talk about the Grammys because Alicia Keys should just host everything. Not only do I think she needs to host everything, I think she also should just be the voice on a lot of like the meditation apps and, and all those kind of apps where like, say you need to pick me up, say you need some positivity. It's just an Alicia Keys app. You know what I mean? She was so beautiful inside and out. She talked about love and, and positivity and inclusion and she just rocked it as a host. And she looked incredible, too. Um, but she's just so freaking talented. Like, she's a talented songwriter, singer, musician, piano player, host. Ugh, she just, I was, I swoon right now just thinking about it. Um, but she, she started with, you know, a touching tribute to Kobe. And then you know, transition into the show. And here's why I love the Grammys. I love the Grammys because it is a show. You know what I mean? Like these are artists that are 
giving you material. Most of the show is performances. Very little of the show was actual giving and receiving of awards, which I enjoyed. I felt like it was a very good kind of ratio. Um, Lizzo killed it. At one point I was watching with Garrett and I don't think Garrett knew that she was a classically trained flautist and she whips out her flute and just starts going in on it. And Garrett was like, oh my God, what's happening? This is amazing. Lizzo is so amazing. So that happened. Um, and she also took home, I believe, two Grammys, two or three Grammys, three, I think. Um, so she killed it. Billie Eilish broke records. She took home so many, so many Grammys. Um, there was one part that people are calling out on like Instagram and stuff where she was like nominated and they panned to her and she was like, no, please not me. Like she mouthed it to like, not, I don't want to be the one that wins. And then she won and people on the internet are like, that's so cute that she's like, no, not me. And I'm like, listen, no, I think it's time that we as women own our successes. There will always be people who win and there will always be people that don't win. And we just keep going. You know, Billy isn't going to win every year. Other people aren't going to lose every year. And so we just keep going. We keep pressing on. But the whole fact of like kind of being almost turned off or like hesitant about your own success. Like, I think let's leave that behind. Let's leave that. Let's leave that in the last decade, century, whatever, because it's time, especially for women, I think, to just own their successes and be proud of themselves and know that while they succeed, other people can succeed, even if it's not in that moment, if it's later on. You know what I mean? So I was like, whatever. Anyway, but Billy is incredible, and I'm happy for her that she won her performance. I literally was not multitasking. I stopped, and I just stared at her because she is such an immense talent. And she just captivated me with her performance. Um, so she was really incredible. And there were a bunch of tributes as well. There was a Nipsey Hussle tribute um, announced. The performers were announced by Ava DuVernay, who I have such an incredible girl crush on her. I think she's so talented and so driven and doing such important work that we need to be noticing and I honestly would give her all the awards if I could. Even things she wasn't nominated for. I think she's just so stunning. Um, but she announced the tribute for Nipsey Hussle, which included DJ Khaled. It included John Legend, Meek Mill, a gospel choir. It was beautiful. Um, there also was a tribute to Ken Ehrlich, which is... So he's the... Um, oh, am I still recording? Yes, I think I am. So he is the executive producer of the Grammys. He's been doing it for decades and decades. And they were doing a tribute to him performing a song from Fame. And it was amazing. Camille Cabello came out. Um, Cindy Lauper came out. Common came out and killed it. Misty Copeland. Oh, my goodness. The Grammys were just... Like, what the other shows had not given me, the Grammys gave me. Diversity, strong, powerful women, people owning their emotions and their stories. And it was just so inspiring. I loved it. It was beautiful. And I, I, I to this day, like, in this moment, I'm emotional talking about it where I can't get my thoughts together. Um, I will tell you who was a hot mess, though. Aerosmith. Oh, my goodness. That is just 
So unfortunate. Aerosmith and Run DMC coming together, and it looked like they had not rehearsed at all. Like, it looked like they, they went on stage, and they were all over the place. At one point, they showed Flava Flav in the crowd, and Garrett was like, "We they need Flava Flav up there. He's the one that could save this performance. And, I mean... First of all, follow me on Twitter because I live tweet all of these events, but now more importantly, I've gotten Garrett to watch them with me and he is so much funnier than me in like, he's just so witty and fast. And like, for me, it takes a while to formulate a joke. I kind of am not that quick with the snappy little criticisms or whatever, but he just, he reads people. He just reads people. And he was like, what is happening here? What's going on here? We saw a Postmates commercial with Martha Stewart, and he was like, Martha, so dark. And then he thought Martha could round out the like Aerosmith performance. Anyway, but follow me on Twitter, because now what I've started doing is, because he doesn't tweet, I just live tweet my thoughts, but also I quote him, and he's freaking hysterical. I truly am so lucky that I get to chuckle with him every single day. Oh. Should we talk about like beauty and trends? So on my blog today, the best looks of the Grammys went up. It included a lot of really great people, but also a breakdown of their glam teams, the products that were used. So you can try and copy their looks if you so choose. But the two biggest trends, one I noticed and I called out, the other one Garrett noticed. And I think maybe I repressed it because I was like, oh, why is this making a comeback? The one trend that I noticed was nail art. Like people really showed up and had fun with their nails. Um, Rosalia came with these blinged out like talons that her nail artist actually had to finish in the car while they were on the way to the Grammys. Um, Priyanka Chopra Jonas had the number 24 for Kobe Bryant written on her nails. They were just like really great manicures and manicurists being called out as like, Hey, I got this great manicure from so-and-so. So I love that. Do you guys think I should maybe include the nail crew as part of the glam breakdown? I feel like no one ever credits their nail people, but maybe I'll start including it for the next one. As an aside, that really pisses me off. It really pisses me off when people like don't, tag other people or don't give credit to other people. You know what I mean? Like if you're a stylist and you're working with an entire glam team on a client, but you only tag the client and yourself in the photos, like, no, tag the other people that brought the look together because it doesn't matter how gorgeous the outfit is that you're putting your person into, like the hair, the jewelry, the makeup, the nails, like all of it has to come together for that person to really feel their best and look their best. You know what I mean? And so I hate it when people don't credit other people in their success because newsflash, you guys, none of us gets there alone. But anyway, that's my own little mini rant. The other trend that I noticed that I was like, please, no, I can't, no, um, was blue eyeshadow. Blue eyeshadow is back, you guys. Um, Billy Porter, incredible. He like, his like motorized shades on his hat pulled apart and you could see these beautiful like bright blue like 
winged liner shadow situation happening, he can pull it off. He can pull off anything. Um, but then Jamila Jamil also did like a glittery blue cat eye. Dua Lipa did like a blue smoky eye, a light blue smoky eye. Like I'm not talking about navy or anything like that. I'm talking about like this was like light blue to bright powder baby blue to neon blue. Like the blues are back. Um, and so Garrett was like, you should do a tutorial of that. And I was like, this is, oh, no, I don't want to support this coming back because blue eyeshadow for me is just not something I'm a fan of. But then he's like, oh, well, you should obviously modernize it and show people that they can wear blue eyeshadow and not to be scared of it. And so that's what I'll do. So watch out for that this week. It's going to go up either Thursday or Friday. But I'm going to show you now that blue eyeshadow is coming back into trend, how to wear it in a way that isn't like, isn't gaudy or tacky or, you know, it just will help you look your best and to kind of take the intimidation out of it. Because I feel like some people nailed it on the red carpet with the blue. I feel like some people in real life nail it. And then for the most part, it's an intimidating practice for a lot of people. So I will break that down for you guys. I'm also going to do... I recently did a glowy, healthy skin um, that we've been seeing on the red carpet, but you can adapt it to your wedding, your client's wedding, whatever the case may be, any special occasion. Um, but there, I I kind of did my eye makeup off camera, and I had someone reach out and say, hey, can you show us the breakdown of the eye makeup look? So that's the other thing that's going up this week. Both videos um, will go up at the end of the week, so one on Thursday, one on Friday on my YouTube channel. So check that out, and go to my website, julialubin.com. You'll get all the details of where to find all of that. Um, now that my kind of plugs for all my stuff have wound down. Um, hopefully you guys are still around. I want to answer a listener question. So, um, there were actually a few people that reached out to me, um, to ask about my experiences. I had been a counter manager working at a department store, beauty counter. Um, and I've also been freelancing in multiple different cities. So I was a makeup artist in New York doing fashion week and editorials. I moved to LA and I did a lot of special events and video TV kind of stuff. And now I'm in Northern California where the wedding market is very strong. Um, but having been someone that has worked both freelance and for a company on a counter, um, I've had people ask me questions like, I want to be a makeup artist. How important is it for me to work at a makeup counter? And I want to answer that question. So first of all, congratulations. I'm so happy you want to be a makeup artist. Um, word of advice, it is not for the weak skinned, um, you know, be ready to be humbled, be ready to always learn, be ready to make mistakes, but then also be very eager to fix them and kind of spruce up, so to speak. That was something I learned in makeup school, um, which was like, you can make a mistake, but then you got to know how to fix it. Um, so here's the thing. If you have the opportunity to work at a makeup counter, I would say go for it. 
right? Any opportunity that you have, go for it. Because opportunities will show us one of two things. Opportunities will either show us, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my path. This is what I enjoy, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or they will show us, no, I don't like this. This is not for me. I have to pivot and figure out what to do next. That feels good and feels right for me. Um, And so any opportunity that you have to follow your dream and to pursue what you want to do, jump at it. I would say the kind of person that's going to thrive on a counter is the kind of person that works really well with structure. That's the kind of person that um, likes to be held accountable by other people. Because when you're working a counter, you're accountable to your counter manager, your account executive, your department manager, and um, you are basically like they're telling you your schedule, you're at the mercy of that, and then you've got to put forth results that are then monitored, right? Whereas when you're freelance, you're kind of your own boss. And so if you're someone that doesn't do well with self-accountability and you need someone else to tell you when to show up and what kind of work to do, um, I would say then you're probably going to thrive at a counter. Now, I'm going to tell you why I didn't thrive at a counter. Um, I did not thrive at a counter because... Working at a counter, you will have an amazing opportunity to learn, to improve your skills, to work on a variety of clients, and really grow into your own as an artist. But first and foremost, the job is sales. So when you work at a counter, you're a salesperson. And for me, I am a terrible salesperson. And I will tell you why. I don't do well selling stuff I don't believe in. So I worked for a brand, I worked for Lancome, which is a great brand. I've used them, like their mascara was the first mascara that I stole out of my mom's makeup bag when I was a kid, right? So I, I knew their products, I loved their products. No one brand nails everything. And we are no longer living in a society where one person will be faithful to one brand. You know what I mean? Like none of us are loyal to one brand only. We'll always pepper in other products from other brands, experiment, see what we like. You know, if there is a product or two from a specific brand that people love, then yeah, they'll stick to that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to use than everything from that brand. You know what I mean? So for me, I knew there were things that Lancome did really well that I loved, that I had absolutely no problem like selling to people and and hyping up to people because I could stand behind my statements and say like, yes, this mascara will change your life, right? Or, you know, this other product will be really great. But there were some products that I knew other brands just did better. It's not that Lancome didn't do well or their products weren't great in some regards. It's just that I knew that there was another product from another brand that I could recommend that would serve that client's needs better. And so I was a terrible bullshitter. It was so hard for me if a client were to walk up to me and ask me for something, it would be so hard for me to say, oh yeah, this, you're going to want to try this from Lancome. When 
in my mind, I've worked with so many different brands and I've worked with so many different clients that I know, oh wait, maybe Bobby Brown does something that's a little bit better or like budget wise, maybe you want to check out like a Mac, you know what I mean? So my priority was always connecting with the client and figuring out what they needed and then using my expertise to recommend it to them. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have expertise working with all different brands or products, a counter is going to be the best way for you to go because that's how you're going to expose yourself to all different product types, all different brands, and um, to little or no cost to yourself, right? So, you know, expose yourself to all the products and also you know, you get, you're able to learn the different clients that you're working with, right? Different attitudes. What are they looking for? How to analyze their faces, how to gently push back on someone who maybe has a small, deep set eye who says, I want a black smoky eye. Well, okay, let me show you this other technique of a smoky eye where we do a little bit lighter so that we can accentuate your eyes instead of making them look even smaller, right? So, I mean, it's a boot camp for sure. But at the end of the day, it was hard for me because I had the, the skills. I had been doing makeup for a long time. I had freelanced for a long time and it was really hard for me to make my numbers because I wasn't interested on selling people things that I didn't think they needed or I didn't think they would enjoy. Um, it's, I'm a terrible liar and therefore I was a terrible salesman. Um, so my, my numbers weren't bad individually. My sales were great, but for the brand, my sales maybe weren't as high as they were because I would you know, sell someone on a foundation or on a mascara or something, but it, I, I wouldn't necessarily sell them on like the $300 face cream because it's not something that I would recommend to everyone because it's not going to work for everyone. You know what I mean? So anyway, that I, I had trouble with not being honest and open with the clients. And so I was like, I don't think working at a counter is for me, you know, also working, working, closing shifts on weekends, working holidays, that takes you away from your family, right? And when you work for someone else, you don't get to say, hey, I know we, like, I want to hang out with you this weekend, my love or my family or whatever, but I can't because I have this job and it's really important to me. Like, that's different than, hey, I can't because I have to go work the counter, Also, you're on your feet for eight plus hours a day. So if you're someone that could like struggles with that, just be mindful, just be mindful. But honestly, working a counter, I met some really incredible people. I were, I met people that were like-minded in terms of their passion for arts and makeup and just like really great people that I talked to to this day that I'm still friends with. So, you know, that was great. I just really couldn't cut it in sales. Um, and so I was like, okay, let me, let me go back and really set my own terms as to what kind of products I'm promoting. And I currently, the way that I'm set up with, you know, my social media, my blog, things like that, I work as an affiliate. And so same as retail, I get a very small commission off of sales that, you know, I'll recommend a product if it sells, if someone clicks the link and buys it, I get a very small commission. And I'm talking like 
0.2% or like 0.02%, right? Like it's not a set commission like in retail. Um, But I get to set the terms and I get to say like, I'm not promoting this product because I don't believe in this product, but there's this other product that I love and this brand that I believe in. And I'm going to, you know, let people know who this product might be good for. And if those people see it and buy it through my site, great. I get a few, you know, a few, some coinage from it. Um, obviously supplementing that with on the groundwork. Um, the other thing that I'll tell you is if whether or not you decide to work on a counter, expose yourself to as many different faces as you can. So get people like do makeup for free if you have to, just to practice if you're just starting out, right? So like grab your friends, grab your your aunt, grab your uncle, grab your mom, grab every like ethnicity, age, gender, preference, everything, and give them kind of the consultation and, and the service that you would give a paying client because that'll teach you how to work with different face shapes, different ages, different skin tones, different types of attitudes. It'll also help you gain confidence in both your skills as a makeup artist and also your skills as just like someone that's interacting with a client. Because as makeup artists, we're so close to our client. We are literally within a foot of them. We're touching their faces. And so we need to kind of get comfortable with that. So practice, practice, practice on a counter. You're going to meet all different people of all different ages and all different genders and races and skin tones and skin types and concerns. And so that exposure is kind of forced upon you. Um, and I would say that's that's the key thing. Like one, have accountability, whether it's self-accountability or you're working at a counter and someone else is holding you accountable. Um Practice your art, but also practice your interpersonal skills, interacting with clients, hearing them out, analyzing what they want versus what would be good for them. Um, And then above all, stay true to yourself. Stay true to who you are and jump at every opportunity. If something feels off, okay, well, sit with that and figure out why right? Is it fear? Are you afraid of something? Are you afraid that you're going to fail? Because you're not. You're going to push through and you're going to be incredible. I know you are. Is it fear because you're working in a, a, you're working at a counter and maybe the culture in the store is really toxic to you? Well, then you're going to have to reevaluate what you do with that and where you want to be. Um, but at the end of the day, practice, Expose yourself to different faces and just lean into it because if this is your passion and this is what you want to do, then no one can stop you. A counter can't kind of cage you in and being freelance can't count you out because you're here and you're going to thrive. So I feel like that was a very convoluted answer to a question, but it really is personal, you know? Um at the end of the day, apply for a job on the counter. If you don't like it, go freelance, figure it out. Like it'll be fine. But to answer the original question, is it necessary to work in a counter? No, it just might be a little bit harder because every single responsibility falls on you to find your clients, find your people, practice your craft and make a livelihood out of it. 
Um, but no, you don't have to work in a counter. It's not required um, in order to be a makeup artist. So I hope that answered your question about that. Um, and I love, I love that you guys are participating. I love that you're commenting on my YouTube videos and you're emailing me and DMing me and asking me questions to be featured on the podcast. Um, if you have voice notes you want to send me, DM me with those. I would love that. I would obviously feature you on here. Um, just be sure that when you're messaging me, let me know that you're okay with me sharing your name or your user handle on social, things like that, because I want to shout you out and that way you kind of know. And if you're not comfortable, let me know that too. I obviously will keep you anonymous. But um, keep the interaction coming. Keep the questions and comments coming. I love it so, so, so much. Um, as for what's coming up, you have those two videos that are dropping at the end of this week. A new uh, podcast episode is coming on Tuesday of next week. So send your questions, send your comments. Um, also, really exciting, I've been looking into booking some guests, so it's not just me chit-chatting at you guys, but um, we can talk to some people that, um, you know, their journey with beauty, their expertise, and hopefully learn something. Ultimately, the people that I want to have as my guests, I just want to have people that are really leaning into their lives. Um, just like my theme song denotes, I want people that are fearless. I want people that are fearless, they're fun to talk to, and they can show you that no matter where you come from in life, where you're going, dreams never die. And all we can really do is chase them down and live to our truest and full potential. So with that, I leave you with this episode of the Makeup Artist Chronicle. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, message me, um, and I can't wait to see where this goes. It is a team effort, but right now it's a team of one, me, and you guys. So, you know, climb aboard and let me know what you guys want to hear, what you want to talk about, but so many fun things coming down the line. I will see you guys next week. Goodbye, my sweet angels. Never make me